welcome to the ABCA's podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Brownlee. This episode is sponsored by Netting Pros. Netting professionals are improving programs one facility at a time. Netting professionals specializes in the design, fabrication, and installation of custom netting for backstops, batting cages, dugouts, BP screens, and ball carts. They also design and install digital graphic wall padding, windscreen, turf, turf protectors, dugout benches, dugout cubbies, and more. Netting Professionals is an official partner of the ABCA and continues to provide quality products and services to many high school, college, and professional fields, facilities, and stadiums throughout the country. Netting Professionals are improving programs one facility at a time. Contact them today at 844-620-2707 or info at nettingpros.com. Visit them online at www.nettingpros.com or check out Netting Pros on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn for all their latest products and projects. Make sure to let CEO Will Miner know that the ABCA sent you. Now on to the podcast. This final on-location episode takes us to Cedar Rapids, Iowa for the Division Three National Championship. We had a chance to sit down with Johns Hopkins' Val Babb, Baldwin Walsh's Brian Harrison, Endicott's Brian Haley, Lacrosse's Chris Schwartz, East Texas Baptist Jared Hood, Misericordia's Pete Ingbert, Salisbury's Troy Brohan, and Lynchburg's Lucas Jones. Congrats to Lucas Jones and the Lynchburg program for capturing their first national championship. Once again, thanks to all the coaches who took time out to sit down with me. It's an extremely hectic time for coaches and can't thank them enough for carving out time out of their busy schedules. Let's welcome everyone to the podcast. Here with Bob Babb, Johns Hopkins, 44th season, fifth World Series appearance, ABCA Hall of Famer. There's a lot on that resume, by the way. Thanks, Coach. Thanks. Well, to correct you, it's our sixth World Series appearance. There we go. Yeah. See? That's why I check. Yep. Second active among Division Three coaches. Does that really mean anything to you? No, it just means I've been around a long time. I'm probably first or second in most losses, too. I mean, what drives you to keep coming to the ballpark every day? Um... I'm a very competitive person, number one, but number two, I am so blessed to have such a great coaching staff, an understanding family, uh, but being around these guys, they're the best. They are bright, they're mature, they're fun to be around, they're hard workers, uh, and they are as competitive as I am, so it's great every day to walk out in the field with them. 23rd NCAA appearance? Regional that appearance? I don't know. <laughs> I think I got that one right, too. Okay. This is a lot. I mean, you think about over half the time you've coached you've made it to yeah the now we've a, been successful no doubt about that and uh kids come to hopkins because they know that they're going to have a really good chance to be successful and to maybe compete for a national title and you're an alum i mean obviously it means more to you because you did go to school there as well that's right that's right i was there and i actually played in the first ncaa tournament that was held first division three tournament and that was in 76. i mean how has hopkins grown um well, we certainly, our facilities have improved. We have a nice stadium now. The alumni support, since I've been coaching so long, I have so many former players who are so supportive that uh, we're, we're pretty in a pretty good spot. I mean, when did you start Friends of Hopkins Baseball? I started that probably in the, 
I'm going to say mid-80s. And uh, that was just a way to, you know, keep the alums informed and also to have them give back to the program so that we could upgrade equipment, upgrade facilities, all that sort of thing. I mean, how has fundraising changed over the years? Uh, significantly, because now I have some players who've been out long enough that they have, you know, they can make some significant contributions, which is terrific. I mean, is that a benefit of getting a Hopkins grad? Because not every baseball grad out there is going to no, make that type of money. Certainly a big, a yeah, certainly <laughs> a big advantage. <laughs> What are you trying to get out of practice today? Um, just get the guys to swing the bat a little bit. It was really important for us. We've played most of our games on turf this year. So to get some ground balls on, you know, on dirt and grass was important. And also to throw off some dirt bullpen mounts because our bullpen mounts are turf. So that was important. And here just to get a few cuts. I mean, pretty big stadium there. Did you do any double cuts or relays today no. to let the outfielders get no, used to No, no, I'm not worried about that. Yep, yep. I mean, how has Division Three baseball grown since you started? It's certainly got more competitive. I think, uh, you know, more coaches are out there recruiting. There are more, you know, high school players who are getting better coaching now and are able to go to facilities so that the uh, talent level has really jumped. I mean, any adjustments with Division Three that you would like to see? You've been in this for a long time at this level. Any adjustments you'd like to see from Division Three going forward? Um, you know, maybe, uh, <laughs> you know, it's it's good. It's a great level of baseball. The coaches and the players, I think, understand the importance of baseball, but also the importance of academics. Uh, the only thing maybe I'd like to see is maybe just a little bit more time in the off season to spend with the players, because uh, that's and that's a big reason why they come to school. That's a student athlete experience. Absolutely. I don't think administrators and presidents always realize that if a, if a kid is going to a school to participate in athletics. They want athletics as part of their experience. No doubt about it. Yep. Is it harder or easier to coach this generation of kids? Um, it's different because when I started coaching, some of those players had been my teammates the first year. And I was young. And obviously you get, I think I get smarter every year and do things a little bit differently. Um, I probably am a little less... Uh, Maybe I gave kids more rope back then than I do now, but our kids are so good that I, I've been blessed. I haven't had, you know, I don't have disciplinary problems. I don't have any of that stuff. You were here two years ago. Did you make any adjustments with the program coming out of the World Series two years ago? Um, not really, not really. We just tried to keep getting the best players and know what it takes to get us here. So we've worked hard to try to do that. And you had some bounce backs on that team. Do you have any bounce backs on this year's team? We have four, but only one who really played, uh, one pitcher. This is a really young team. People don't realize, but we, have, we will have everybody back other than one starter. So we expect to hopefully, and it you know, takes so much luck as you know, but we hope to be here for the next couple of years. How long did it take those young guys to get adjusted to the level? Pretty quickly, because a lot of them played as freshmen and sophomores last year. So, and we struggled last year. We really struggled. We had a lot of preseason injuries. Um, our pitching staff was decimated. So there's only so much you can do with injuries. That absolutely. dictates a lot of no of question about teams it. Are there at the end of the year is whether they can keep everybody healthy. That's right. We've been knocking wood other than our starting center fielder, one of our captains, who was a catalyst of our offense. And I'm sorry we don't have him, but other than than that, we've been healthy. Everybody else has been healthy all year. Any turning points for you all this year? Um, I think the turning point was when we went down and played Salisbury, and they were the number one team in the nation. Uh, 
and we put it to them pretty good. And I think our team realized we're pretty good. Yeah, that's the benefit of playing a challenging schedule, too, is you're going to win some of those games. It gives you guys some confidence. Absolutely. I tried to make our schedule as competitive early in the season as I could. Uh, I never thought we would end up with the record we had. Um, but, uh, you know, we certainly face good teams, and our, this isn't going to be any different. Did you plan on coaching football for 22 years? Um, <laughs> yes, because I, I really enjoyed football, but the time consumption became too much. Yeah, I mean, football is a different animal, isn't it? Different From animal. The amount, I, they don't play very many games, but it seems like they're in the office a lot. Yeah, I, you know, but I, I, I had coached. Is that I watch thing though with football coaches. Yes, <laughs> I, 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 had, I agree. I would, I would walk I by had the coached, football office like, why are you in here right now? This I had is coached I our head football coach <laughs> when he played. I was a football coach when he played, and then I he got the head job, and I was one of his assistants. And we talked many times about we don't have to be in here that long. We're we don't smarter. have to. Right. We have this figured out now. Let's just relax and do it. Thanks for your time, coach. You're welcome. Enjoy. Thank you. Brian Harrison, Baldwin-Wallace, back-to-back series appearances. Um, when did you start at Baldwin-Wallace? What year? Well, 2011 was my first Yeah, so you've got a pretty good run going here in the last 12 years. Yep. Congrats. Yep, thank you. You know, you had a little bit of staff turnover, Coach D'Angelo goes. How was that transition with getting your staff together after that? It's been interesting. I mean, it's, it's uh, a great transition. I mean, obviously we're Super happy for him going to the Yankees. Um, ABCA National Assistant Coach of the Year. He's a beast. Great connector. Of, you know, it just connects with our guys. So, so you know, more than the baseball, the fundamentals was the relationships. And we hired, we think, an all-star uh, in Matt Rosinski. Um, it's been difficult just because it was mid-year. You know, it's just a little uncomfortable to try and find, you know, his space and. Um, I think he's done a tremendous job. We've pitched it way better. The longer he's been here, the more comfortable he's gotten and the better we've been pitching it. I mean, how did you go about that process? It's in the middle of the year. You've got to get somebody in there, but you also have to make the right hire too. So how did you go about that? Yeah, the people, whoever you have in your organization is the most important decision you can make, right? So I'm a big believer in culture, relationships, connection with our players. And then the baseball kind of secondary almost. And uh, Matt was, uh, uh, I've had a relationship with Matt. He runs one of the best uh, summer programs in the Cleveland area. And uh, he, was, uh, he was a volunteer assistant for us in the fall. Did a phenomenal job. Um, and uh, when the job opened up, you know, he had a real job as an accountant. And, uh, you know, he said, hey, I, this is something I think I want to, you know, go for. And, we talked a couple of times, and it was a no-brainer for us. I mean, he's just got a great skill set. Is that your hope as a head coach with your assistants, that you train them well enough that they do get opportunities to move on? Yeah, I don't know about train, but, I, you know, we, um, you know, build relationships, absolutely. You know, we're in it together. First, we want to have the best program that we could possibly have um, and make sure we're bringing in guys that bring value, connect to our, connect to our players, great recruiters. Um, you know, and then hopefully just the conversations we have in the office, um, may, they may not be intentional, but this is what we do for a living. We want to push each other. We want everybody to bring something to the table that helps all of us grow and become better coaches. What did you reflect on coming out of here last year? Uh, so many positive things. You know, I think you can look at the negatives. Um, 
but so many positive things. You know, just the, um, the leadership that we had a year ago, um, you know, the winning, the close games, the road trips, you know, the, I mean, obviously it's easy, the baseball thing, but we had some awesome trips. We got to see some great things, fly to Boston, see a Red Sox game. So I think things like that just allow your guys to become tighter. Um, baseball didn't go our way. We had leads in both games against two great teams. We kind of, unfortunately, um, you know, made some mistakes that cost us those games. That's what's going to happen in big games. But uh, really the takeaway was I enjoy hanging out with our dudes. Did you adjust anything from last year to this year? Uh, we're just trying to eat at different restaurants, you know, sit in different seats. Um, you know, we're, 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 we're not stitious, we're superstitious, you know, is what we were saying. So, no, you know, at this time of year, it's my job to stay out of the way, make sure they're fed, in bed, you know, playing with confidence. Um, you know, we like our guys. We're pitching it. Uh, we have a little more pitching depth than we did a year ago. Um, guys are coming in with more confidence on the mound, and hopefully that's a game changer for us. Is that new guys, or is that guys just having another year of experience we, we, on the mound? Uh, another year of experience, and I think Coach Rosinski and Coach Hagan, we've got two pitching guys that do an incredible job with our guys. and um, So it's really just returners that are doing better. So is pitching the strength of your team this year? We can hit. I know you can, hit. can hit. You've always been out of hit. hit. Yeah, we've got, uh, we've got some grown men in our lineup that uh, – you know, I, I laugh. We're like the 72, uh, you know, Russian hockey team. We've been together for about seven years now. So uh, we've got some old dudes in the lineup. But our pitching is what has separated us down the stretch. Any turning points during the year? You know, I think close wins, close wins. We, we, we were not playing well at the end of the year. I think we were three and five of our last eight. We lost two in our conference tournament, kind of scuffled a little bit. And uh, uh, we played a good Spalding team in a regional. We won a close game. And anytime you win a close game, it just builds confidence. The next night we had a great game against Denison, and we've kind of been rolling since. So I think that was a big turning point. That late scuffle, guys tired or just didn't play well? What was that the last eight? You know, I, I don't know if we did a great job in the weight room, to be quite honest with you. I don't know if we were paying attention to detail of our bodies, taking care of the bodies. Um, you want to you want to get stronger actually as the season progresses, and I think we were losing weight, and and it was a kind of a failure on my end, making sure that we were ready to go. You're a great hitter, at Shawnee State. How was that transition now having to coach hitters from being a really good hitter and that transition having to coach hitters? Yeah, um, I don't know. I, I enjoy it. I love the process. I love I love getting in the cage with the guys and and getting to work and building relationships. I think you can have authentic conversations that are relatable. I mean, it's a hard game. It is a hard game. And I think a lot of people forget that. And hopefully, you know, in those conversations, you know, I can remember it's a hard game and we can build trust. Your boys on the trip? They're going to be here. Absolutely. Will they take BP? If if uh, if we're allowed to, I'm going to sneak them in there for sure. You put a uniform on them, can't you? That's right. That's right. I mean, has that been a big part of their cultivation of loving the game, being around it? I hope so. You know, for me, um, my mom loved the game, and it was something we had together. And hopefully, you know, it's it's really cool that I can experience that with my boys. And my daughter's a softball player, so you know, it's a whole new world for me. Coached at every level of college, except for Division II, correct? Correct. I mean, what are the biggest differences as you're moving around the different levels? 
you know, the game of baseball, it's a game of fundamentals. You know, it's not it's not about the biggest, strongest. It's not basketball where you got to be seven foot or, you know, it's a game of fundamentals. Whoever can execute the game the best legitimately has a chance to win. That's the great thing is we can play against anybody and have a chance to win. Now, you know, sometimes the top end arms, obviously, the Friday guy, the Saturday guy in Division One, is going to be a little bit better. But we've seen the transition of a lot of Division Three guys doing extremely well at the Division One level. And professional level. level. And professional, professional level. Yeah, you're right. You're, we're talking Power Five as well level, that guys are doing a great job. So, um, you know, we like to try and recruit late bloomers that are going to get better. So, um, I think I think the team that we have, I, I think, can compete at a mid-major Division One level. I really do, but maybe I'm a little biased. I mean, what have been your thoughts on the transfer portal with guy you getting guys or guys leaving? I mean, what are your thoughts on it? So it's a wild world right it's now. It's a wild world. I think everybody's trying to figure it out. I think our concern, I think not just Paul Moss. I'm saying Division Three as a whole is um, how do you how do you send a guy out to play summer baseball that that could get, um, you know, stolen. I mean, do we need to bring back the you go up levels, you got to sit a year out? I don't know why that went away. The NCAA won't ever listen to me on that. I don't know why that went away. Like, if you move up levels, you should have to sit a year out. That's just my take on it. I, I think a lot of people would agree. <laughs> we need to bring it back. Yeah, a lot of people I just, would agree. I don't know why that went away. It, sh- it just shouldn't be a thing. You know, it, it safeguards. You know, you're always going to have those coaches that try to work around the system a little bit, but this just safeguards everyone from tampering and, and things that shouldn't happen you know a coach gives a kid an opportunity has a great experience he should he should there should be some accountability for him to have to leave that place if, if a coach is invested in that kid and spent all that time the kids had a good experience he's played a lot there should be some accountability on the kids part to have to stay at that place i think most coaches would agree Here with Brian Haley, Endicott, since 2008, uh, but you and I go back to early 2000s. So, Brian, good seeing you. You too. Absolutely. Cool to be here. What is the strength of your team this year? Balance. Um, 100% kind of have a really strong team, a lot of talent on the pitching end, on the defensive end, then offensively have a really balanced lineup. So I just think it's the most balanced team we've ever had. Uh, For that reason, it's the best team we've ever had. How many returning guys? Uh, In the lineup, seven, and on the mound... Pretty much everybody, yeah. So that that had to be a good feeling coming into the year. It helps. I think we knew coming in that we'd have a shot to get here, um, and then obviously you got to deal with the the ups and downs of a season. But you know, to overcome a lot and get here is pretty cool. Did you have any turning points during the year? Um, I can't think of one in particular this year. Um, I just think we've always done a good job. When we took a loss, we were able to bounce back and kind of play well the next day and just keep moving forward. So I think that's a, a big part of this program and, and this team that we've been able to do that pretty consistently. I mean, do you say much to them after wins or losses? Um, we just talk about after a game, I give them a little time, a little space. You know, after a win, it's usually like, hey, guys, you did this well. Um, let's continue to focus on doing us. And it's pretty simple, I would say. Not a lot, honestly. Our, our longest meeting after a game is probably two minutes max. It's very quick. You take care of that extra stuff then the next day. Yeah anything, we need to work on, with them. yeah, anything we need to work on, improve upon, it's going to be done at practice. Um, we need time as coaches to decompress, win or loss, and then kind of focus, hey, this is what we did well, this is what we need to work on, and then go to work at that practice. How much are you communicating with your assistant as far as, like, oh, during the year, this is what we need to continue to work on? Constantly. Um, coach O, Harry O'Ringer, is our associate head coach. He's in the office with me every day, so that's a constant conversation daily. 
Back-to-back Super Regional appearances? Yeah, yeah. I mean, what'd you learn last year coming out of the Super Regional? Um, you just gotta play well when it matters. I don't think we played great, you know, last year, and I think this year, it's cool actually to have the matchup against Baldwin Wallace, who knocked us out last year. I think guys were excited for that draw. I'm excited for that draw. Um, coach Harrison's a great coach. I was actually having breakfast with him this morning, just talking baseball and talking about the review process with the challenges, something new to me. Um, but I think we're excited just to play. I mean, that's what we're doing is playing ball. I mean, what does it mean to the program here getting for, here for the first time? Um, I think it's something that establishes somewhat of a legacy of, hey, you did it. And we've been trying to do it since, you know, 2008, like you mentioned. Um, I was able to play here in 99. I was a Division three player at Brandeis and got here. It was at Salem, Virginia. So I've been talking, not often, but I, every now and then we'll throw in, hey, listen, you want to feel that, that sense, sense of accomplishment, that dog pile to know that you finally got it done. Um, and we haven't been able to do it. So it's like you're chasing four dog piles. We've had three this year. We still want that fourth, but there's a sense of accomplishment. Did you do much visualization with them? I mean, nobody's been here. The guys hadn't, you'd been here, but guys hadn't been here. Did you do much with them during the year? Like here, this is where we're trying to get to. Early, like early in the year, um, preseason before we started games daily, um, doing a lot of like breath work and just kind of understanding how to control the heart rate stuff. Talking to them about waking up in the morning, visualizing, feeling the dog pile, that sort of thing. As we've gotten into the later portion of it, no, it's kind of just happening. We're not visualizing it as much, we're just doing it. What'd you learn from Brett Beretti at Columbia? Brett is one of my favorite people. Um, <laughs> one of the best coaches I've ever been around. I think Brett just like emanates like toughness and preparation and focus. And then the guys laugh and smile is like infectious and contagious. So I learned to have a lot of fun with him too, but he's one of the best, as you know. Is he one of the most underrated coaches we have for division one? Probably. I mean, the, the guy is one of the best coaches I've ever been around, and I've been around a lot of coaches, so I, I got to think, yeah. He just has an infectious personality. Yeah, and he's, he's a great fun guy. fun person I mean, to be around. Yeah. As soon as he starts smiling and laughing, I can't, I can't not laugh and smile myself. So. And you were an assistant at Brandeis after you finished playing? Yeah, so one year at Brandeis, then played in Australia, came back to Brandeis, and I was hired by Mick Aoki, actually, at Columbia in 2002. Um, was there for six years. Paul Fernandez was there in between Mick and Brett, and then Brett for three years, and then, uh, and then to Endicott. Was it hard coaching guys that you had played with? No, I don't think so. It, it wasn't for me. I, I kind of, I always felt like my role in the team um, was to speak my mind and be honest with them and tell them the truth. Um, so I think that's kind of a lot of what coaching is. So even as a captain my senior year, I kind of was that guy. So I think that transition wasn't as difficult. You know, not hanging out with them was hard because you want to hang with the guys, but that was probably the hardest part. Did you know you always wanted to get in coaching? 100%. I wanted to play. I'm not going to lie to you. I want to be a big leaguer. Uh, didn't have the talent. So when I knew I didn't have the talent, which was pretty soon after college, um, it was coaching, 100 teaching, coaching. Um, that's been my career has been teaching and coaching. When did you implement your players committee? Right away. Um, as soon as we got there, Danny Gomez, who was just downstairs, he's on the All-American committee, was my first captain. Um, him and Eric Fields on the interview um, was something we talked about and then immediately empowering the team to be able to make some decisions or at least give me input. I mean, I'm making the decisions, but they're giving me input. So that's been happening 16 years. It's a big part of what we Who do. Who picks that? Um, the players. So the captains are selected by the collective group and then each of the classes, the junior, sophomores, and freshmen vote for two guys in their group and that's how it comes together. Sometimes it's three guys, depending. Is that after fall ball? Um, it's after fall ball, 
Um, yes, everything gets voted on after fall ball. At the end of the season, we vote on captains. If anyone's unanimous, we'll name them a captain, and then we'll vote again to add a captain after fall ball if the freshmen want to add someone. What are some lines of communication with them that they bring up that maybe you hadn't thought about as a coach when you get a player's perspective? It's always the peripheral stuff that as a coach, you're, not, you're thinking about the field, you're thinking about preparation, you're thinking about the game. Um, they're thinking about things that make them comfortable. They're Food. thinking. Food, lodging. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you got them all. Uniforms. <laughs> you can go through the list. Every single <laughs> that, thing you just said. That's what came up in our meetings with our with our group, with Always. our leadership council. It yeah. was, what do we want to do for food on the road? Uniforms that we're wearing, just yep. things that. How many songs can we have in the things BP as mix? a coach you don't really yeah. care about, but yeah. obviously it means a lot for them because they do take ownership in the program then too. It's important, I think, for them to feel like comfortable and for them to know you're supporting them and what they want is, is critical. I've gotten a lot better at that. Maybe in the past, it'd be like, nah, no, nah, we're doing it this way. And now it's like, yeah, that makes sense. Let's do it. You know, I just, it's different. Have you looked at any like management stuff as far as how to deal with Gen Z's or millennials? I mean, you're, you're dealing with that age group of kids now. I mean, you feel like you look like you have a good feel for how to deal with this age group of kids. I haven't, I'm, I like reading. I like, you know, books mostly on baseball, mostly on history. Um, I haven't read any books on management um, beyond two actually. And Gary Gilmore recommended one at a convention called Lead for God's Sake, which was outstanding. And then The Way of the Shepherd. Those are the two, the only two I've read. And those are the two I, I go to all the time. What's your favorite baseball history book? Um, that's a good question, man. I love reading about the Sox. It was back in like, I think it was the run in the 60s they had with like Lomborg. I think it's called Summer of 69. That's probably my favorite, like just baseball history Red Sox book. Um, I just like history in general, not just baseball history, but that's probably my favorite, Summer of 69. Yeah, I wrote a, a master's project on a, the uh, MLB draft. So I used Bob Costas's book on the draft, the history of the. That's the awesome. It was a great book. It was so a great I have a story, story about Bob Costas. Book. So I'm playing in Australia and I'm at the Olympics in 2000 when the US, only time they've won the gold medal. So I got tickets to almost every game, gold medal game, they're playing Cuba. And I'm sitting behind the dish and two seats in front of me is Bob Costas and I'm like holy cow that's Bob Costas so I just went up didn't want to interfere but said hello talked to him had like a brief you know minute two conversation it was just like obviously a legend in his in his yeah. business but that dude that that experience at the Olympics I wish baseball would get back to the Olympics again and just like run with this and make I think it a big the deal. world baseball classic is filling awesome. a little bit of that void now Definitely. from an excitement piece and fan engagement and, and actually seeing the players have joy and, and actually caring about winning like that's it's, what they're caring now they though. care like, about winning what that team it was like ben sheets before he became a pro it was like roy oswald the coach of davidson um, what was the co coach cook he was one of the coaches there um it was like doug mankavich and then you had the older guys lasorda was the manager it was just like they all wanted to win and they all weren't pros. I mean, at that time. I like the pro game, obviously better. It'd be cool to see that. You know, with your players committee, so as the season goes, they have any input as far as practice, training, some of the other stuff you're doing, or is That's that all That's more just you? like conversations with captains, yeah. conversations with coaches. Um, most of the players committee stuff is the stuff that you mentioned, the stuff they care about, the list. <laughs> so that's, that's What were you trying to get out of practice today? Just get on the field, just kind of soak it in, get loose. We know what we're doing now. I mean, we've been practicing for a long time. We played 52 games. I think we played more games than anyone here. Um, so it was really just about getting comfortable, putting the shorts on, putting the t-shirts on, getting our ground balls on the surface, getting our fly ball reads, and, and doing our thing. It was pretty light. You know, we met at Best of Virginia. Does the East Coast still have anything like that, or is it all pretty much gone away? 
Honestly, right, the best in Virginia was probably one of a kind, man. Look at the coaches that works that camp. It, dude, I look at the, the I'm laundry getting, list. Honestly, of, I'm getting the chills as I think about I, it. Like, look I at think the laundry about, list of coaches that work that camp. And all the coaches, but then it's like the moments we had, like Gene DePew, like doing Johnny the Bellhop on a card table and sitting there and throwing BP for literally eight hours in a cage in the sun, and Bubba Dorman, like doing his thing with the infielders and just having talk about baseball and Gunny running the show and. Like I go Breddy and the whole list goes on and on and on. Queenie and the whole crew. It's just like Jerry, holy cow, Jerry Edwards, like some closest friends that I have, Scotty Heather. It's like you go through the names and I know Womack was there at the time and all the Virginia guys. It's just like the memories and the fun that we had together while coaching these young kids playing ball. It was awesome. It was a tribal mentality yeah. with coaches back then where you had the elders trying to help the, the young coaches coming That's through. That's how it felt. It was a tribal mentality. I wish we had some of that. We miss a lot of that now. I don't know the what... The game has grown immensely. Yeah. Money does that. You know, Transfer Portal, a lot of that stuff takes some of that stuff away. I do miss that tribal piece where you have the men, the older, the elders trying to help the young ones. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the funny, another funny story there. I showed up for my first BIV. I was coming on the road recruiting from Columbia. My bag got lost. So literally, I'm I'm coaching and I'm throwing for two days in like the heat and like like a polo and like my you know golf, basically my golf attire. And I'm taking heat, obviously, from the coaches, and I'm, I'm good at taking heat and giving it back. I was like the New York City guy, rolling in, playing golfer look. I'm like, yeah, all right, guys, whatever. Said but you things. took the ball. I mean, that's took yeah, the heat. You, you took the ball, it, it, though. And like, I threw, hey, I threw you the still, BP, You man. still did I'll, it. I'll throw BP for eight hours. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. All day. So Thanks no, for your time, Brian. It was fun. Absolutely, man. Appreciate it. Here with Chris Schwartz, mm. UW Lacrosse, 19th season, right? Yep. An all-time winningest coach at Lacrosse, but thanks for jumping on with me. Thank you. Is this first World Series appearance? This is our third World Series third. appearance, yep, 15, 16. Yep, how, how different is this one, if any, than the other two times? You know, I think this one compares a lot to 2015. Uh, we, you know, we had to work pretty hard to get to that point in, in 2012 and beyond where we were a, a realistic team for the postseason. And, uh, in 15, I don't know, we went. We actually went 0-2 in the conference tournament. We were sweating bullets a little bit, and uh, we were actually hosting a regional and, and sweating some bullets, and we got in and, and just kind of made a run. And, and that year we ended up getting out of our pod and losing to Cortland in the, in the, in the best of three. And 16 was a little bit more expected because most of those guys were coming back and we you know, kind of hit a low, and, and everybody hit COVID, obviously. And I, I, don't, I can't say that this was expected at all. I mean, the talent on this team is really good, and uh, the character is awesome. I mean, just an awesome bunch of guys. And uh, we found a way to kind of grind it out and get, get, get hot at the right time. I mean, how good is the WEAC? Um, I, would, I know it's good. But I would put it up against any conference Somebody that's in the not country. in that area yeah. doesn't know how good your conference four is. Four nine-inning baseball games every weekend. Yeah. Uh, you got to have four starters. You got to have four to six relievers. And if if you're not throwing it on the corners, the ball's going out of the park. Yeah. Yep. I mean, I, I know, and that's why I ask. I mean, does it help you guys with only one Division One school in the state? I, I think it used to more than it does now. You got PBR, you got perfect game. Everybody who's anybody is, is online and they're ranked somewhere. I mean, shoot, we can go to New York and find you know who's the 50th best player and and, and try and recruit them. So I, I don't think it matters much anymore. Um, yeah, there's with the, the portals kind of goofy with everybody too. But um, for the most part, I, I think the on, online internet, the modern world has leveled the playing field. Back in the day when you know UW Oshkosh and 
and the, you know Lechner and those guys. Those guys were just running the show because they were out recruiting Division ones because nobody knew that we had all the talent we did in Wisconsin. Now everybody kind of knows. Now the byproduct of that too, though, with the GRBs of the world, the hitters, with the indoor facilities. Now are your kids maybe a little bit more prepared to play for you when you get them because of the tra- amount of training that's going on in the state? That's definitely fair. I mean, Club World blew up probably 10 years ago, maybe 15, but but as soon as they started getting indoors in the winter and playing out of the state, you know, we can be as good as we want in our local little community and there's nothing wrong with that, but it's a big bad world. And you start going to big tournaments in Kansas City and Atlanta and, uh, you know, even even in Chicago and Indy, and, um, and you see some really good talent. I think this helped those guys. On the flip side, uh, maybe I'm a little bit old school with the pitchers and the arms and, and you know, we got to shut down at some point, and we do see some of those clubs firing guys up, trying to light up Raider Gun in, in, in January, and I don't, I don't think that's quite yeah. a good for the yeah. kids. Yeah, that, yeah, that's that fine line too, because like, what are you, what are you doing this for? Like, you need to get ready for your college season, your high school season. Like, what, do you, why are you doing this? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and priorities too, right? I, they are trying to get seen, and get, there's nothing wrong with that, and, and gain, gaining exposure, and in, in large part, that's what the clubs are for. But uh, you know, the, the, not at the detriment of of your arm health and, and care and stuff. And um, they're not, I mean, they're not all like that. Obviously, there's there's a lot of good guidance out there. But yeah, yeah, you know, that I think the benefit though for the travel side, you said it. Like when they go play, like the Wisconsin teams are just as good as everybody else. Like when you go to Grand Park or you yeah. go to these areas and you watch the Wisconsin teams, they're just as good as everybody else. Yeah, yeah, and and I we see that we we see the the whatever color you want to put on the top team. You know, as as a Division three school, we're we're recruiting up. We're not, you know, we're not trying to get the the quote unquote uh, Division three guy. And I think we got a lot of scholarship kids on our on our squad, but uh, you know, the top teams are, you know, most of them are committed D one, and they're all really really good. There's a lot of good talent in in Wisconsin. What is the strength of the team this year? Heart and character. Uh, I know that's cliche, but. Um, you know, we, we revamped our entire pitching staff from last year. We have four new four new starters in the rotation. Um, we were able to put uh, one of our better arms back in the bullpen where he belongs, and you know I think that's helped a lot. We've added a few pieces offensively, and I I, I would have said the offense was going to be kind of streaky and 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 you know give us give us some production, but the last half of the year. I think the offense has really set the tone and coming out and scoring runs early in games. I think we're up over eight and a half runs a game now, scored, and um, the pitching staff, everybody's young, everybody's a sophomore, it feels like, too, and it's just the, the grit that, that our pitchers have shown, a couple of them with injury and bouncing back, and uh, I think we've played steady defense, but I, I think on paper, people would probably say our offense is our, our strength at the moment, but uh, you know we've, we've had to pitch against some pretty good competition all year long, so I think those guys got some grit in them, too. Your new arms, were they in the program then last year? And they just developed, they had another year of experience, they've developed more, or were some transfers mixed um, in? All four of them are brand new, two of them are true freshmen. Uh, we'll see We'll see one of the true freshmen at some point, he's gonna pitch, he's, he's, he's dynamic. Uh, Tyler Schmidt is uh, an 88 to 90 mile an hour arm, top 91, 92. And, Upper Midwest uh, arm. Yeah, and, and he's tall and long, and uh, I'm not sure he knows quite you know what he's doing just yet. Uh, he for surely learned a lot over the course of this season, and really came up big for us last weekend. In a, a kind of a rough start. Well, kind of a rough start. He walked five guys in the first inning. We had to take him out, and then and then he was somewhat fresh for the next game, and we had to use him. And in our um, I don't even know what you call our weekend last weekend with in the in the super regional scoring 
uh, all the runs that we did. But um, him and, and Owen Depri are freshmen, and then the two transfers uh, are, are self-made kids. They, they, we liked them out of high school. We recruited them. They went to a Division II scholarship, and, and they decided that it wasn't for them, and they came back. And they've made a commitment to, to be the best they can be, and they have done it for themselves, and it's really fun to see those guys pitch. You know, with the role your kid that you you started in because it's best for the team, but more comfortable as a reliever. I mean, how do you balance that as a head coach? Because you know, not everybody can start games. Some guys are more yeah. suited for for bullpen, and just like some some starters aren't suited for the bullpen, you know, and vice versa. How do you kind of balance that as a coach? Like, okay, we need him to do that. That might not be his best role, but it helps our team. Yeah, the the, the bullpen one is is probably the toughest one to find the guy with the right mentality. And you, know, you get guys that come in in tough situations, and some of them crumble, and some of them think about it, and they start getting nervous, and, and some of them just like set it on the mound and like let's go. And and if you got- could brain scan every one of your pitchers, <laughs> you'd be able to figure out mentally who who want, should be a reliever and who should be a starter. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we got and we got a couple guys that are have we've we've got third years and you know fourth year we got to get a chance to get to know them a little bit but day one you don't know you got to put them in those spots and, and and let them fail and see how they respond and that's probably the biggest thing is how they respond and uh we got two guys right now at the bullpen you know Bushi and Maddle that Maddle's the one that we had to start a little bit last year and just because he was a strike thrower he was competing he was in and out he was changing speeds he was doing everything you want um he's not a hard thrower but now you bring him out of the bullpen and it's it's just bang 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 hit some spots and get out and 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 now all of a sudden we're winning a game or or in a better position to win same with the other guy tucker just you know nobody would ever pick him i don't know how else to say that you put a bunch of guys out there we got guys that haven't thrown innings that are 91 92 but we pick him because he goes out there every time and, and gets it done any turning points this year that's a good one um I think we had some individual moments for sure, like those two freshman pitchers. They both had aha moments where I remember sitting down with Owen Depery in, in a dugout in the middle of a game after two very mediocre innings and just staring at me. Like, you need to make a decision right now. Which one are you going to be? Who do you want to be? And he was just like dumbfounded, you know, because it was, it's the first time I really challenged him and it was earlier in the season. I, don't, I mean, most high school kids don't get challenged that much and, and he just kind of you know, didn't say anything and went out there and did it, you know. So I think, you know, he had one of those moments. Tyler Schmidt, as a freshman, had one of those moments. He threw a no-hitter earlier this year. Um, and, I mean, you, you, there was guys on base. He was hitting guys. He was walking guys, but didn't give up the hit. And, you know, you can't take that away from him. He, he, he did it. And then, you know, the next day, the next game was that moment for him and where he just kind of was wide-eyed and, and, like, what's going on? I can't throw a strike and kind of chewed on him a little bit. And we got a, we got a leader like no other and Ty Hamilton, he's, you know, he's just a bulldog. Yeah, coach's kid and and known that family for a long time and there's a lot of uh, a lot of good baseball blood uh, going on there and and, and he's just a, a leader and uh, to the point where we we haven't since I've been coaching as the head coach, we don't elect captains. We don't decide before the season who the guy is and and whether that's dumb or not, I don't know, but that's just the way we do it. This year, for the first time, going into our conference tournament, we elected him as our team captain because he earned it, and I believe that's what it, you know, that what that's what that title is. He earned it, and um, just a bulldog. And you know, I, I bring him up because of Tyler Schmidt because then he goes and chews on Tyler, and Tyler's like, you know, he's mad, but then he got, 
and then he responds, you know. So you need that guy to, to, to just ruffle some feathers every once in a while and not afraid to say anything. And he's just like, we're doing this, get on my back. How do you know when to push that button? Can't do that with every kid. So how do you know? How do you know? Okay, I can probably push that button a little bit on that kid. Yeah, I, I, I think I think you got to err on the side of pushing the button. I think in today's day, we err on the side of, oh, I might hurt his feelings, or I might push him too far, and then he might fail. And like, you know, I, I, I can't say that we want to push him to fail, but he's got to get through some ups and downs. Freshman, sophomore, junior, senior doesn't matter. And and even you know some of the leaders they need they need a kick in the butt every once in a while. And, um, and I tend to err on the side of pushing the button and, 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 and putting them in a position where they can make the choice for themselves. And sometimes you win and sometimes you lose, but toe the line and compete. And, and that's what we're trying to instill in these guys is like, go for it, be willing to go for it. I'm reading Do Hard Things right now by Steve Magnus. It's a great book talking about building resiliency yeah. and, uh, and how to actually do that with kids. It's a phenomenal, phenomenal read. I mean, early in the year, how are you prepping? You may or may not be able to get outside up where you're at to try to get ready for your season? How much? <laughs> no, uh, we're, we're fortunate with our facilities. Uh, we do have, have a, you know, a nice big indoor field house and we actually just built another one. Um, it's four tracks, so we get it every once in a while, but you know, we have the spaces and the big wide open spaces when there's snow on the ground. And we did get some decent weather in, in late February, early March where the sun came out and melted the snow on the turf. So we had a chance to bang some balls in the air. Uh, so do the best we can, and we're not the only ones in that boat. You know, you go to the Dakotas and Minnesota, and and most of Wisconsin. Even 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 sometimes you get down the Chicago area, you're fighting to get outside by by sometime in March. And um, you know, we do we do the best with what we got, and and I, I you know that that routine is actually kind of fun to me because you get in, you know it's coming. You get into April, May, and it just the, the schedule's changing constantly because of rain, snow, wind, cold, well, you name it. And then how do you handle, you usually go to Florida early. Mm-hmm. You know, probably gonna go back inside. How are you handling that piece? Okay, we've been outside for a week or, or two weeks. Now we gotta come back in and, and- We try really hard not to think about it while we're in Florida. <laughs> Cause it, you're right, it, it's, it's almost every year. Do you have year. any competitive stuff inside for them to try to keep the competitive juices yeah, going when you yeah, get back? Yeah, we, we try. You can't, you can't simulate the game perfectly, but obviously we're, we're going live pitching to live hitting. And we're trying to do kind of like some spotlight moments almost every practice where we just like blow the whistle and you know, I get made fun of it a foghorn that never works so that doesn't work but but the idea of it right get everybody hooting and holler the pitchers are yelling at the hitters and the hitters are yelling at them uh, we'll do some speed competition stuff with pitchers even if it's just fungos and and pfps and um, uh, perfect infield banging the ball around the infield and just see how many times we can just keep whipping it around without dropping it and you know they're kids it's fun it's fun stuff and we don't have to drill the perfect mechanic of how to swing or throw all day long. In fact, I, I mean, they, they would leave if, if we did that all day. Just trying to make it fun and have some fun with some drills. And, you know, it's catch play too, like infielders. I mean, what do we, our kids, I have, I have boys, I have three boys and a girl, just catch play. Let's just play catch a lot. And, and we want to hit some balls, let's go hit some balls a lot. And, you know, there's a lot to be said for that, more so than, than trying to, you know, change everybody's swing or mechanics. You were on the table pretty good there and then faced Bethel. I mean, was that a positive, negative, you lose that game? Because you guys bounced right back. So, yeah. I mean, was that a positive for y'all? Because you handled it right. I think it's at the table for the Super. Um, we didn't. We were down to our last strike. And I mentioned Caleb Maddell earlier. He's, a, he's our go-to guy. And and he was cruising, pump, pump, and pumping here and there, in and out. 82 to 4. I think he touched a 5. That's a PR for him. And, you know, he's, he's pumped. And... Um, 
they pinch hit a kid that was swing hard in case he hit a guy. Four at-bats, seven at-bats all year or something like that. He swung hard and Caleb threw it to his barrel and he got it out and game over and, and we got to regroup. And uh, it, uh, it... How? I mean, you lost 24 to 20. Well, up and it, that was Bethel when, when, they, when they did that, right? So then we yeah. regrouped and came back. But then that one... I mean, I'm looking. You're, you're up one game in the series. You give up five to lose 24 to 20, and then you guys win the next day. I mean, what did you say? Did, did you say anything after that game? You just get gut punched, punched in the yeah. gut. I yeah. give your guys a lot of credit because most teams after that game, you look historically, most teams after that game are not going to win the next game. We, we use, and I'll back up to that in a second, but we, you used the word earlier, resilience, and um, our... Uh, our team athletic trainer is also, you know, trained in in some some mental coaching, and, and she's going through some of some of those things, and she 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 loves that aspect of it, and she's I been too. using the word mental resilience with our guys, and having the opportunity to be with, in front of them, probably not not as much as we would like, but had, had the opportunity to be with them and talk to them about some of these things, and I mean, she's the one who sees them and actually gets to talk to them on the training table and down in the room and stuff like that, and I. You know, there's a, a desk in between me and them half the time, so it, she knows what's going on with them. And um, so, I mean, how were you feeling after the super regional game? Well, I, I, you're right. It's just a punch in the gut. And I, at one moment, I remember talking to a coach, like, I got to say this out loud. That was horrible. That's that was the the most roller coaster emotional type game. I can't believe I can't believe we were down to our last strike again because we were down to that last strike. And I won't go there, but it was like right there. And, Ball. Okay. All right. Next pitch, and then we, you know, we're not winning. You got to back up to game one of that point series. Uh, our best offensive player has been on the shelf. He scored the a tying run in the conference tournament and and went all out and and, and popped his hamstring, so he wasn't playing. And do you put him out there? Or do you not? And game one, uh, we're down. We're down by one run, and we pinch hit him, and he hit a two-run home run. And like storybook, right? It just, it, like, you know, and, and he's everybody's the saying natural. the same thing. Kurt, Kurt <laughs> Gibson and you know that kind of stuff. And he's literally like doing this around the bases. Um, and I think part of it was just because he was so happy. And then game two, that happens. We had pulled our starting catcher. We pulled the injury guy. You know, we pulled another guy that was prone to a hamstring. Like, get off the field. We're losing 19 to two. Get off the field. Let's just regroup. Stay in the shade. And of course, the guys we're putting in aren't aren't slouches. We, I mean, they're just they're just they just weren't starting that game. And and all of a sudden, boom, boom, boom here. And and, and the, the, it was 80 degrees, and the air was thin. And we do we play in a small park. Everybody's probably understanding or assuming that both teams uh, play in it. it. Both teams have the same shot. Uh, and the, you know, just a, just enough of a breeze going out. And as I alluded to earlier, you pretty much had to throw the whole ball on the plate for it to be called a strike. So. It was just one of those moments, and balls just started going out of the park. And I think we put up an eight, and then I think we put up a five, and all of a sudden we're down by one, and one of our big big hitters is up, first baseman George Seaman, and I think I was getting a drink of water. I, I mean, I really was. It was just like so. There's so much emotion. I'm just going over here, and I look up, and I'm like, oh, he did it. Oh my gosh, he did it. You know, I just saw the ball keep going and going and going. He did. And then we're up by a run, and. You know, guys are hugging each other. The emotions of up and down, unbelievable. 
and and then and then we our we our guy was in the bullpen right and and he was ready to rock he comes in down to the last strike again and and just get and, and once the base hit was given up for them to go ahead it, I mean, it was completely deflating right and, and then we gave up a couple mammoth home runs and but to regroup i think the weekend before having gone through it and knowing that we can bounce and then you know just I, I don't even I don't remember exactly what we talked about other than like okay it, one game one game it. for your entire season just Still like any other coach it. would say and yep. sat down and ate a sandwich and kind of regrouped and and they came out and, and scored right away and I think that was the big the big thing I mean how gratifying is it for you being at lacrosse you're a two-sport athlete there I mean how gratifying is it for you being it's, alone? it's fun yeah I mean, I mean playing you know through uh, you know, through my time and then, and then having a chance to, uh, a very brief moment to learn a little bit. And I mean, we really just, uh, especially Coach Gillitzer and I have been together since 2005. We, uh, we really just kind of tried everything until some things started to stick and work. And um, we had a group in 2012 that just kind of got the ball rolling and we broke through to the playoffs. And uh, yeah, I just, I, I couldn't be more happy or more proud to, to you know, to, to support the Eagle Owl like we do. And, and especially, not just our program, but our, but all of our programs on campus are doing so well. Our football program is doing well, and uh, basketball. I mean, I just can't name them all. We're just doing so well, and it's, there's a lot of pride there. Um, a lot of Division three powerhouses yeah. in that area. Yeah, it's it's and it's fun that way. It's so fun to go and know that you're towing the line every weekend against the best, and and surely the SEC has some good talent, but just the best at our level and the best that we have to compete against, and. Um, you know, in large part, a lot of our athletes, our track, one of our women's track program, just won another national title, and men's took second, and it's like it's that's pretty about good. Culture of the other programs too. Yeah. You know, all all what is it? All tides raise high tides raise all ships. Yeah. Like that's part of it. If you have winning teams on your campus, it's going to raise everybody else's culture too. Winning is an expectation for sure, but it's not a cutthroat expectation. It's it's a it's culture. A fam- it's a family culture. Yeah, yeah, and. and and I think we all embrace it, and, and the athletes obviously do too. Thanks for your time, Coach. appreciate you having me. Here with Jared Hood, East Texas Baptist, ninth, ninth year's head coach, correct? Yes, sir. You know, spent two years as an assistant. Did that help your transition when you finally got a chance to take over the program? Yeah, absolutely. I've, you know, I've, I've coached for uh, a couple of good head guys and, and I've learned a lot of things. Uh, Lee Driggers was, uh, was at ET, ETBU when I was there. And, um, spent some time in the junior college ranks, so yeah, I got, got some being under some good guys. What was the advice from those guys when you were going to take over? It's good to have mentors, so what was some advice that those guys gave you when you were going to take the program over finally? Yeah, the biggest advice I've got was uh, from James Valade, who was my coach at UT Tyler um, when I played there, and he said, dude, make it big time. You know, and, and uh, you know, I think that's what collegiate athletes want. They want to be, be made big time, so yeah. What about Hill? I mean, being at Hill, your time at Hill, what'd you learn there? Yeah, so as a player uh, and a coach, um, just the grind of, of collegiate baseball and recruiting, the importance of recruiting, um, you know, and that's, you know, that's what 90% of this, this whole thing is, so. What about your coaching summer ball experience? Yeah, you got a, you got a good opportunity in, in Cooperstown um, to go up there and coach some summer ball. And that's where I started. That was awesome. I, I started um, in that league. Um, yeah, the NYCBL and, and played there and then to go back and coach and, and coach really talented kids and then, you know, in, in, uh, in Cooperstown of all places, it was just a really sweet experience. 
Did it allow you to maybe try some different things? Summer ball is a little different than during the year. Did it allow you to try some things with players or, or develop your voice as a coach? No, it allows you to loosen up, I think. Yeah, and, uh, you know, to, you know, especially as a young guy, to, you know, realize that, you know, it's not always – you know, black and white. There's some, you know, there can be a little bit of mixture of everything, and um, you know, and playing with those guys or coaching those guys from different backgrounds, they all do different things, and you know, and you learn different techniques. Yeah, so uh, just to kind of loosen up and let the kids just go out and play a little bit. And then you're on the travel wall side for a little bit too, as well. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. Um, you know, not not as much. Um, you know, but got to dabble into that a little bit and. And again, you just you get to meet different kids and different personalities and, and explore different uh, different coaching styles. So yeah, first World Series appearance. It is my first World Series. Appearance. What do you think so far? This is awesome. Yeah, I you know just I'm happy for the kids and our guys and uh, you know for them to get be able to experience this. You know as a coach, that's all you could ever ask for. I mean, what is the strength of your team this year? Just our overall leadership. Um, you know, I think we pitch it well. I think we hit it well. Uh, we've played adequate defense, um, but we've had teams that have done that in the past as well. But you know what sets this team apart is, you know, their their leadership, their tenacity, and uh, you know just the way they grind through adversity. Do you handle the ups and downs of the season a little bit better this year because of the leadership? Piece? Ab absolutely, absolutely. This was kind of a year where, you know, we knew as a staff our job was just kind of step back and 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 try not to mess it up and let these kids go out there and be successful. Conference tourney, you had to win five in a row, correct? Yeah. Yeah, that was crazy. Um, but again, you know, we lost the first one and um, and had to battle back through that, you know, and, and now to look at, you know, where the journey's kind of taken us and, uh, you know, six six games in three days, all nines, um, you know, five of those with the same catcher that had to bow up and do that, a couple of those with, uh, you know, some arms that just came out of nowhere and threw great games, um, timely hitting, great defensive plays. I mean, just that – that track was, you know, was outstanding. Your catcher, I mean, how was he handling recovery there later on in the, in the deal? Yeah, he's a dog. He's a dog. We, you know, I kept asking him. We get into the later innings, like, hey, you know, Shaw, you need, you need a break. You need a break. And he's like, nope, I'm good. I'm good. Leave me in. And uh, you know, and he handled all that great and did. You know, our training staff's really good and uh, took care of him after the games and stuff like that as far as hydration and recovery. But, um, but yeah, he wanted every bit of it. Any tips? You get into tournament play, you're probably not going to start on time yeah. to kind of fill that void of the hurry up and wait where you're sitting around waiting to play. Any yeah. tips for that? Just try to stay in the moment as best as you can. You know, don't don't worry about what you've got to do, how you've got to do it. Um, you know, when you get to tournament time, it's not about even really the best team. It's who plays well that day. And uh, you know, don't go through this thing without having enjoyed the experience um, with your brothers and with the team. Because that actually adds the experience. Like, especially when you win, it's like, look at everything that we had to go through and we come out on top anyway. Absolutely, 100%, yeah. yeah. Your time with the Indians, with that part-time scouting for the Indians, what'd you learn there? I, I think it just uh, increases the scouting database and the recruiting, um, you know, the, the differences in that level of right now versus you know what it is that we look for in, in development and uh, you know in ceiling. Um, you know my time with the Indians was, was very brief, but um, you know when you go and you evaluate players on that level, um, you know it's a little bit different ball game. So I think 
you get to pick up different things on different kids will you know and say well i've seen that arm action before now it's 82 85 it, it can be something else you know so um, a lot of growth there how long did it take you to develop your eye from a recruiting standpoint like with that because i think that the good ones can see that kid that maybe is 82 85 but the yep. arm works body works yep good feet how long did it take you to, to figure out the evaluation piece on that? Uh, it was about a, it, it took a couple of years. And, um, you know, I, I worked for a great junior college guy, Chris Rataiki, uh at Hill Junior College, great developmental guy um, as far as body goes and stuff. And, and But that was the language all the time. So that language was ingrained in my brain of, of what to look for. And, you know, and when you see it and you put it in a structured environment and you see it blossom out, then, you know, and then you're like, man, okay, that, you know, that was it. Plus, you have to go watch, right? Yes. I mean, that's a big part of gotta it. Got to go watch. You can't sit behind a screen no. and do that. You have to go watch. No, you got to go watch. You got to see the dog and uh, see how kids play. And, uh, you know, that's an important aspect, especially, you know, with the showcase the showcase stuff and, you know, go watch live games. Yeah. I mean, the makeup of your roster right now, how much of it is transfers, high school kids, bounce backs? What's the makeup of your roster? Yeah, we're probably 50-50. Um, we were a heavy transfer uh, class last year. Uh, brought in, I think, five freshmen, uh, six, five or six freshmen last year's class. Um, but we went heavy transfer. We knew what we potentially had. We knew where our holes were. And, uh, you know, we wanted to, to continue what we had built and not have to kind of restart. So, um, so yeah, I mean, where we're at in, in today's game, that's, that's a big part of it. Yeah, it is. We'll just try to get out of workouts today. I just wanted the guys to feel good. You know, we had a late night last night with flights and getting in. and. Let's get out. Let's sweat a little bit. Um, you know, we, if, if it's not, if we don't know it by now, it's not getting fixed at, at this point in time. So you let's are just, what you are. That's right. Let's, <laughs> just, let's just go out and enjoy the day and and get a nice lather going. Enjoy being with the guys and and playing at different venues and seeing different things. And uh, you know, and I think you that brought was, Texas heat up here, by the way. Oh, 100%. This is unseasonably warm for this. <laughs> that's this the way part we like it. Hot and humid. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for your time, guys. Right, you bet. Yeah. All right, here with Pete Angbert, uh, Misericordia. Misericordia. Took me a few I practiced <laughs> it, man. I did. Misericordia. I should have called you before that. 16th season, uh, 21st overall as a head coach. So, Pete, thanks for jumping with me. Yeah, jumping thanks for me. having me. Uh, second World Series appearance, correct? Yeah, first one in 2018, and now we're back again. Okay. Any differences between this year's team and that 18 team? It's tough to compare teams. We don't have anybody from that team. Um, I think that team probably was a little bit stronger on the mound. This team's a little bit stronger offensively, but it's tough to compare from team to team. How was the run getting here? Good. Um, it was funny. We uh, we opened the season down at Shenandoah, and, and we dropped two to a tough Shenandoah team, and then we got hot and won 30 of our next 34, and going into you know conference playoffs, what I thought was pretty hot, and then Arcadia took care of us, and they beat us at the end of the regular season, and then they beat us in the conference tournament. Um, so we had a gut check and we had some adjustments to make and I think it was probably good for us and then um, after after our conference tournament we got hot and started playing you know better baseball. What were the adjustments you made? Um, we just talked about competing at a little bit different level, um, executing we the things that we had talked about day in and day out, the things that we were practicing day in day out we weren't executing at a high enough level so we just got back to basics and back to day one of the fall and reintroduced some things and and that helped us 
Do you feel like it's good though during the season to maybe get punched in the mouth a little bit? Obviously not in postseason play because you're going home, but before that to maybe where you can redirect and refocus? No question. No question, especially with this age group. You know, this age group, they, they get high and there's highs and lows. And when they're high, they don't feel like they can, uh, can, can be beat and they feel like they're invincible. So it is good to get punched in the mouth every now and then. And, um, you know, you got to refocus and, and go back to what you know. Your time at Fitchburg State, you know, your head coach there, did you make any adjustments when you got to Misericordia? Recruiting a little bit of a different type of student athlete. Fitchburg was a state school and a uh, different type of student, different type of athlete. Um, at Misericordia, um, we have a little bit more flexibility with some of the things that we do, um, but recruiting has changed really in the last 10 or 15 years. I mean, if you, you used to be able to work and get guys and now everybody's working. So everywhere you go, there's 20, 30 coaches and everybody's after the same guys. So that in and of itself has gotten more competitive and made it a challenge. When you sell the program, I mean, obviously you're not selling it, but what are the benefits of going to Misericordia? I mean, what do you, most kids that are coming to your place, what are they looking for? Um, hopefully they think, um, you know, we're going to be able to provide them a good education first and foremost. And then, you know, our, our university, I mean, I think this is cliche because all coaches sell the relationship aspect of it, but we're a small school. Uh, we're 1,800 students and our students really are going to get to know our administration. They're going to see president at games. They're going to get to know the athletic director and the other administrators. They're going to get to know their faculty members. So we feel like we have the opportunity to provide them um, more resources and more help than they might be able to get somewhere else. And I, was, I flourished in a small college atmosphere. Like I was one of those kids. I needed a small college atmosphere. That's, it's just there's such benefits to it. I understand the big school atmosphere, but for me, I'm, I'm looking at small schools all day, every day. Yeah, and that's what we sell. Um, whether or not they actually take advantage of those resources is a different story. They'll realize it after so, they're graduating. Of course, right? Yes. <laughs> of course. Um, they're, they're in my office a lot more as juniors and seniors than they are as freshmen, which is kind of backwards, but that's kind of the way it is. <laughs> I mean, how are you mentoring your young kids that get on campus for the first time? There's so much that goes into that, um, you know, just being away from home for the first time and um, they're all coming from different backgrounds and um, obviously, you know, people talk about COVID playing a part. So you're getting a little bit of a different type of, of person now as well. So just making sure they get off to the right start. Uh, we give them two weeks where we don't do any organized baseball activity just to make sure they figure out where classes are and those types of things. But now with the rule changes, we got to figure out how, how that's going to impact them too. So more than anything, it's just making sure that they are going to class and um, they have somebody as a, a figure, a, a, you know, to touch base with on campus. I think those things are important. How far out with your roster? I mean, how, how far away from home do you guys go for your roster? Most of the roster is within two to three hours, but occasionally we'll get somebody from the outskirts. How'd you get out east from Missouri? <laughs> uh, I'm actually uh, from New York and spent most of my time in the Mid-Atlantic in New England um, and then went out to Missouri just for school, had a great experience, but en ended up back home and then bounced around for a while just, you know, but, but the East Coast is what I know. You had a 10-year stretch of 30 wins seasons. How were you able to kind of stay consistent during that stretch? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I still haven't figured that out. Um, I, I, again, we don't do anything really fancy. We don't have any rocket science uh, approach to what we do. It's, 
it's a very blue collar approach. We're trying to recruit the right type of student athletes. We've had some very, very talented players come through our program. So very fortunate to have coached a lot of those guys and um, assistant coaches were pretty consistent over that time frame. So just that consistency, I think, helped us. What are some red flags for you in the recruiting process? I was the same. I wanted blue collar kids that worked. What are some red flags for you in the recruiting process? Some real little things. Again, old school, like the way they shake their hand is important to me. Uh, what type of teammate they are. Everybody's looking at, you know, velocities and running times. I'm looking to see if are they the first guy up off the bench congratulating their teammate who scored a run or what's going on um, in the adverse situations. Um, the travel element has added a whole new thing. You know, the game ends when it's 2-2 in the sixth, and it's like, oh, that's where we really want to see the guy. Um, so those types of things matter, obviously the academic piece, but when we invite them to campus, that on-campus uh, time with them and their family for three, three and a half hours, that's really important to me. And there are guys that um, elevate themselves during that process, and then there are guys that, that get further down the line in that process just because of the way they carry themselves. So I always got to the field early because I wanted to see how kids actually worked when they got there and they had free time. And I banged a lot of kids because their teammates would be down in the cages. They'd be sitting on the bench. Yeah, th those things, right? How you carry yourself in BP. Um, I, I, I tell my son, um, mom doesn't carry your bag on and off the field. Otherwise, I'm not going to recruit you. There are some little, little things that we look at. Um, and I think our... Our returning players do a nice job. They start to reach out to our incoming players in the summer and tell them what the expectations are. And then when they do get to campus, you know, this is how you carry yourself. You need to see, say please and thank you to the people who are serving you food. And, you know, you need to interact with your faculty members and make sure you're building personal relationships. So those things are important to us. With your son, how old is he? He's 15 now. Do you like baseball? Yeah, he's, he's a baseball guy. Baseball, soccer, basketball. He, he likes anything with a ball. So. I mean, how did you cultivate that for him, or did you just kind of let him roll with sports? Um, he, ever since I can remember, he had a ball in his hand. Um, he, he's always been around it. And there was a time when he was really young where he loved being in our dugout. And then they, he, he got to a point where he was too cool for school, and he didn't want to be around the guys anymore. But now I think he's starting to come back. He, he's enjoying it and realizes some of the benefits of it. Fitness center coordinator? Yeah. How long have you yeah. done that? Uh, about halfway through, probably eight, eight or ten years. Uh, originally started doing the game management thing, and I had young kids at the time, and, and went to Dave Martin, who was our athletic director, and, and an opening. One of our other coaches left, so we kind of finagled it so the, so the fitness center piece w works out pretty well for me. Your guys work out in there, too? Uh, we have a separate weight room for our athletes where they do the vast majority of their weight room stuff. So, I mean, do you feel like that's helped you from a training standpoint? You're on a, the fitness center piece. Do you feel like that helps you on the training center? Yeah, I'm, I'm a big strength guy. I've had a lot of um, experience in that realm. And at our place, we don't have a full-time strength coach. Our, our strength coach is also an assistant football coach. So it's really important that our baseball coaches have some familiarity with strength and conditioning, able to put programs together, supervise them in season. Um, that's a big piece for us. And then Again, when you get to this time of year, this, uh, it's not so much the strength, it's just the day in and day out grind of learning how to compete. Um, we're 50 something games in, these kids are exhausted. They haven't had a home cooked meal in weeks. Um, you, you gotta learn how to deal with that. So I think, I think the strength and co uh, conditioning component becomes important for them at this time of year. For a coach that does have to do it on, a, on their own, and we have a lot of them, what resources would you direct them to if they're trying to dive in on strength and conditioning? 
there's a ton of resources out there, obviously online. Um, you know, my my best resources are the people that I build relationships with. So those local people. Um, you know, the business has really changed in the last 10 years. There's a lot of people out there that have familiarity playing at a high level of high school or college or, or whatever who are in the strength and conditioning world. I'm fortunate enough where I have five or six uh, of our alums who played baseball for us who are now strength and conditioning coaches, so they send me stuff. Um, and it always evolves, right? So you've got to stay on top of those things and, and what's changing and what's new. And you, I, I don't think you can't be afraid to try something new. You know, I think that's that's important. Our guys also feed off of one another. I think when they go home and they start working at home for the summer or or the intercession break, they learn things at home. I like them to teach one another. And as long as they're doing it safely and, and it's productive, then then I think that's a good resource for them as well. And that's a personal development piece for you as well. I mean, you look like you're fit. So, I mean, that's a personal development piece also. Yeah, I mean, when I got into the business, I, I told myself I was gonna, um, not have the guys do anything that I couldn't do. And, and I try and stick to that, but the older I get, the tougher that gets. Uh, they can do it a lot quicker than I can, I know that for sure, but, but I, I try and stay in decent shape. What are you hoping to get out of practice today? Uh, we already hit at Mount Mercy, so that's the offensive part of it. Um, more than anything, um, just getting some reps from a ground ball standpoint, the stadium is huge. So just getting our outfielders familiar with how big it is and how far they're going to have to travel to go get baseballs and maybe playing some balls off the wall, but it'll be pretty short and sweet. Yeah, good. Any other adjustments you're making coming here? Maybe some more distractions for you all being here? I mean, how are you going to handle those distractions? Yeah, there are a lot, but um, I told our guys, um, you know, this potentially is a once-in-a-lifetime experience, so enjoy it. Um, those distractions are here for a reason. You know, you get, you get uh, special treatment because you've gotten this way, so don't see it as a distraction. Just kind of take it all in. We were fortunate that we got in a day earlier, I think, than everybody else, just the way the flight arrangements worked in. So um, we were able to go out to the Field of Dreams yesterday, which was a really cool uh, experience. And our guys are just kind of soaking it all in. The, the opening ceremony tonight, that'll be a blast. That just, just take it all in and, and enjoy it. Um, eventually, we'll get on the field. Eventually, it'll become baseball again, and you just gotta, you know, try and out execute the, the the team, you know, across the way and and see what happens. Have all your guys seen Field of Dreams? No, we have a few that still haven't seen it yet. So that's movie. Yeah, they they gotta go back and watch. <laughs> Thanks for your time, Coach. Thank you. All right, here with Troy Brohan, Salisbury, ninth season, but third World Series appearance in a row. Congrats, Coach. Thank you. I appreciate it, Ron. Always love our talks. Um, you know, Salisbury's been to 23 state regional, or 23 straight regionals now, correct? Yes. I mean, is it harder or easier to come to a place that's had a lot of success? Because is there mm. pressure because it, you've won, or is it easier because the culture's already set? Well, the culture's already been set. Even when I got here in 2015, Coach Fleetwood, uh, and Coach Cyrus, who's been here for 24 years, um, they, they'd already established a winning culture. Um, in my opinion, I think it's harder to come into that situation than it would be to a rebuild. Um, but I was left some great players who continued it. Um, the only thing that I think I brought to the program is kind of a National League feel of baseball. Um, I believe in pitching, um, I believe in defense, and I believe in team speed. And uh, you know, it took us a few years to get to where we wanted to be. Um, I think the program's in great shape right now, um, and, and I think we have some players that are coming in uh, next year and the year after who hopefully fit the culture and uh, continue that tradition. 
I mean, where did you start when you got there? Obviously, it was in place, but you may want to put kind of your your take on things too. You know, where did you start with those guys? Did you just let it play out? Or? No, I started with obviously trying to uh, develop a bullpen, which was really hard. Um, we had three or four really good starters. Salisbury always had that. Um, but, uh, you know, we were used to, even when I was assistant coach here, uh, your starter on his bullpen day would come back in relief. Um, that kind of wasn't developing the bullpen. Um, we did a little bit of that. Um, we had more uh, bigger swingers uh, back then. Uh, the first thing I did was put my best bunter in the four hole, and uh, I think he had 13 squeezes that year. Um, and then we manufactured some runs when we faced a pitcher where we weren't going to with the skill set that we had. Um, now I think we're more of contact oriented. Uh, Coach Ween does a great job with our hitters uh, with two strike approaches. Um, you know, we, we talk about every ball you put in play, we're thinking two. Um, and, and then, you know, putting pressure on the defense, sometimes you're able to manufacture base runners um, and, and, and continue scoring that way. I mean, third word series and parents in a row, I mean, it never gets easier, correct? Oh, absolutely. I mean, the, vet, the veteran leadership, we have 14 seniors. Um, with the COVID rules, 13 of them could come back for another year if they wanted to. Um, but all 14 are leaving. Um, and, you know, I, very proud of them. I was talking to Jim Dixon today and very proud of them because in 2021, there were no expectations. We thought we had a good team, um, but there weren't expectations. And we came here and we won the whole thing. Uh, then you come back last year um, with some expectations, but kind of, you know, how good are they? And um, we get back to the National Championship Series and we come up a little bit short. Now we had everybody returning and they were like, you know, it's World Series or bust. That's a lot of weight to carry when you're 18 to 22 year old. Um, and I think they've handled it well, um, they've prepared well, um, and then I'm not a big believer in luck or superstition. I believe that teams that play together the longest seem to have more success, um, whether that's with the experience part of it or what. Um, but these guys have been together through thick and thin for four and five years now. Um, and, and I couldn't be more proud of that senior class. And that's a Jeter quote too. You're only nervous when you don't feel prepared. Oh, absolutely. And when we talk about it all the time, Coach Cyrus is big into the the, the quotes and the sayings and, and all that. And, and you're right, the only time you should feel nervous is when you're unprepared. And that's it, hard to tell an 18 to 22 year old. I get it. Did you guys switch regions this year? We did. We, How uh, was that? We were supposed to move last year. There was some glitch at the end. Um, I've always believed we're a mid-Atlantic team. I mean, our schedule is nothing but mid-Atlantic New York. Um, occasionally we're able to get down to the south that are close like Shenandoah and Macon. Um, but, and, and, uh, I was surprised you weren't in that region already. I just assumed you were in we, the We were supposed region. to go last year. Our softball went into it last year, moved from the south to the mid-Atlantic. We were supposed to and something happened at the end where it didn't happen. Um, and now this year we moved to the mid-Atlantic. Um, and you know how you got, you got two guys here, uh, Usk and Hopkins, who, who are in the same region. So um, it's a competitive region, um, but I've always thought that we were a mid-Atlantic school. I mean, is your strength your experience for this team? Uh, yeah, I think the, the competitive edge, uh, there isn't much that somebody's going to throw at us that we haven't been through. Um, it doesn't matter if we're up, down. Um, they, they still play hard, um, still believe they have a chance. Um, you know, we, we were just down against Rowan right there, I think, 8 to nothing in the 5th and 12 to 5 in the 8th. Um, and, and I know a lot of coaches say it, but there wasn't much sweat going on. Maybe with me. I mean, Coach Cyrus and myself were talking to third base, hey, should we get the catcher out right here, give his legs some rest? Um, should we get this guy out, give him some rest before, and then all of a sudden you put up three or four, then you put up five and you get it close, and now they're staying in, and we'll roll with it. So yeah, the experience is, is, is a big deal. I mean, did you have any turning points where you got tested during the year? Oh, I mean, tested all the time, and, and I think that 
when you have an established program that's had success, um, you know, with a run of the 23 straight regionals, um, there, there are teams that you play where, you know, they're going to get your five and you're, they're saving their one for you. So, you know, all the time throughout the year, there, there's a lot of challenges, but we pride ourselves in, in the strength of schedule. Um, we, we play everybody and anybody that we can play. Um, our, our schedule making is a little bit tough because we only have three teams in our conference, so we've got 36 non-conference games. So we're able to schedule uh, the Penn State Harrisburgs, the, the Shenandoahs, the Macons, the Cortlands, the Oswegos, those teams that, you know, are you going to win them all? No. Um, but just say you schedule 12 and you win seven, you win eight. Well, you're eight and four with a really good strength of schedule. And you get to see where you're at because we play a lot of those games early in the year. And it's a great test to see where you're at, not only with some of the young guys, um, but, but who's gotten better as the older guys as well. And how nice is it for you to have Coach Sires there, Coach Heenan? I've been with you for a while now. And yeah, I mean, it, it's a blessing. I mean, Coach Sires uh, is, has been here, I think he said, 24 years now. He'll let you know. Trust he's me. He'll, 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 he's, he's a Hall of Famer. He's a Hall of Famer. He's a Hall of Famer. He'll let you know. He'll let you know. But, but in, all, in all honesty, uh, one of the best infield teachers I've ever been around. I'll say it till you know, the cows come home. He's one of the best infield coaches I've ever been around. Um, coach Heenan, who actually has learned a lot from Lynchburg's pitching coach. Uh, he came up at VMI, learned a lot through him, implements a lot of his stuff. Uh, coach Ween, my hitting coach, has now been here for two and a half years. Um, they put a lot of time and effort in, you know, the early works, the staying after. And uh, you know how it is in D3 as far as compensation for that kind of stuff. It, it isn't much. And um, all three of them have a great passion for it. Um, I'm very fortunate to have three guys that, that – uh, you know, just, just give everything to the program. And then I'm one of those coaches that I try not to micromanage as, mu as much as I used to probably when I started. Um, they'll be the, probably the first ones to tell you that I, I give them free reign to follow whatever passionate teaching they want to do. And if there's anything that I disagree with, then, then we talk about it. Um, but all three of them have been phenomenal. Um, and, and this program wouldn't be where it is without them. Who cultivated your love of baseball? Wow, um, I've had a lot of a lot of guys that that have really, you know, cemented different things in my head. I mean, my father, my father, I grew up on the softball fields. My mother and father were competitive softball, traveled around the country doing that. So I grew up on the softball field. But the older I got, um, you know, Dave Rigetti was a was a big one when I got to the Giants. My first left-handed pitching coach, who really just taught me a lot. Uh, Todd Oaks, who uh, was in San Jose uh, my first year. Uh, was a Nebraska guy like myself. He passed away a few years ago, but was the pitching coach at Minnesota for like 10, I 12 years. I have a lot years. of respect for Coach um, Oaks. And his son Tyler's done it tremendous he, he was phenomenal. He taught me a lot. I still use some of his charts to this day. Um, so there, there were just some different guys throughout my career. And even managers, Dusty Baker, uh, one of my favorite, honest, straightforward, never sugarcoated anything, but was a player manager. You know what I mean? And, and they're, they're few and far far between you come across those type of guys. So there's been a lot of guys that have influenced me. You seem pretty even keeled as a coach. Were you that way as a player? Absolutely. A Absolutely. You I, were that way as a pitcher Absolutely. Um, whenever I got nervous uh, uh, or, or, you know, a big moment came up, my father just said, hey, just turn around and tie your left shoe. Okay, simple thing, but it just kind of – it stuck with me throughout my, my high school days, my college days, to my professional days. And if you ever watch me come in in a big moment, if there's any tape of me pitching the big leagues, 
you'll see I turn around, I step up out, I time my left shoe, I get back up, and it just clears you, it focuses you, um, especially if you're on the road and you're playing with some big crowds, uh, it just locks you in. I'm gonna steal in. that one, by the I way, because I still simple. work with and players I pay, on look, routines. Look, I'm gonna I, steal I pass the... It, I pass along to my guys, so it might not be tying your left shoe, it might be undoing your belt buckle and putting your belt buckle back. You know, taking off your hat and stretch it, whatever it is, you gotta find something that just kinda gets you relaxed. And uh, you know, we've had some guys here that, I tell you, have been in some big, big situations, and for me, if you're prepared, number one, uh, you know, you can live with the results. Um, but, but when you come in those situations, people overlook your breathing, they overlook your focus, um, they, they overlook a lot of little things like that that, that have huge impacts in, in how well you perform that day. All your players on the roster homegrown, guys? They all Salisbury guys? They are, I'll say, 96% of them. roster in this um, age of transfer portal, like, I think that's amazing. It's a we, great story to tell. We take a lot of pride in and something that, that uh, another thing when I took over that I just said, this is something that we have to do, and we got the coaching staff to do it. Um, I believe in recruiting and developing. Do all, does it work out for everybody? No. Um, if we have a deficiency somewhere, will I look in the portal? Will I will I ask around? Will I go to a JUCO game? Something like that? Absolutely. I mean, Danny Sheeler. Danny Sheeler, uh, we lost a huge impact guy with Sky Rayhill. Um, we were looking for uh, an impact first baseman, and he just happened to come in the portal when his coach left. Um, he tore us up both times we played him. Um, so I reached out to him, and he had some Division One offers, and his words to me were, I want to go somewhere and win. And when we step foot on this field right here, I say, did you make a good decision? I didn't make a, I mean, I have made a better one. I have made a better one. So he's so excited to be here. Any takeaways from last year? I mean, you win it the year before, mm. you losing the championship series. Did you have any? I mean, because obviously you're right there again. And any takeaways from last year? No, we just didn't finish. Didn't finish it. I mean, that pretty much that simple. And that's uh, not. And, and Eastern, Eastern Connecticut was absolutely tremendous. great, great, great team. I think two evenly matched teams. They played better than we did that day. Yeah. Um, you know, I was asked, "Hey, being one of the favorites here, blah blah blah." I don't believe in favorites. Um, every team, all eight teams here, are really, really good. Um, you know, and, and I don't believe in luck. And all I believe you make your own luck. Um, the game doesn't know who's going to win before it starts. You know, um, so. We just play our brand of baseball. We play confident. Um, we stick together. Um, you know, my coaches say when I say it, but winning and losing doesn't really bother me when you play good baseball. If you play good baseball and a team beats you, I mean, that, that's, that's baseball. What are you trying to get out of your workout today? Uh, just work up a little sweat. Long travel day yesterday. Um, you know, working out here in turfs is a little bit difficult, especially for the infielders. Um, so we did a little short uh, ground ball action, um, did some fly balls off the walls, um, got some bullpens in, but just wanted to work up a little bit of a lather, uh, get a feel, especially, uh, like I said, probably 80% of my guys have been here for a year or two, um, but the new guys coming in, they got their cell phones looking around, taking pictures, you know, they're kind of in awe. Just get them out there and get them grounded, um, you know, and then we'll head to Mount Mercy and get some swings in over there. Congrats, Coach. Good I appreciate luck. it. Thanks, Brian. Appreciate, appreciate it. Here at Lucas Jones, University of Lynchburg, head coach since 2005. Thanks for jumping on with me, coach. You got a large coaching staff, I saw, just looking at the, at the roster. Um, is that by design, having that many assistants? 
Yeah, so we, we're fortunate to have, have quite a big staff. Um, we have a graduate assistant position, full-time assistant, and then, yeah, a um, couple of uh, other uh, full-time roles as well, and then obviously the head coach. Is that what drew you to Lynchburg, coming from Washington and Lee, just maybe a little bit more resources? Well, um, so I played at Lynchburg. So I was a student athlete there, um, graduated 05, played through 06, and then, yeah, I went through my coaching journey, ended up at WNL in the league, and then made the move back to Lynchburg. So it was not necessarily the resources or kind of any evaluation, really even from the professional standpoint, but all my family is in Lynchburg, all my wife's family's in Lynchburg, and three kiddos. It just, at the time, I guess two, but now three. It just made a lot of sense to get home. So yeah, no, not really a, a huge uh, decision on the baseball side of things, more so the personal side. Did that draw you back? You went to Lenore your freshman year of college. Did it draw you back going back home? It did, of course, it did. Um, yeah, being able to, well, have that experience at Lenore Ryan my first two years with Coach Pate that, that really kind of helped to uh, build me up as a baseball player and a person. And then just from a personal situation, being able to go home and uh, be a part of you know that that program and get back to my roots was was pretty special. So being able to be an alum but also back as a professional, um, it, it it's definitely gratifying. I mean, what has the state meant to you? I mean, you've done most of your coaching career in the state of Virginia. Yeah, all of it uh, from Randolph Macon early on, VCU as an ops guy before that, to George Mason to. Patrick Henry as a junior college coach. So I would say, yeah, my experiences across the board from division one to junior college and everything uh, in between and being fortunate enough to stay in the state of Virginia, certainly a lot of uh, networking and uh, a lot of great programs, not only on the college level, but high school level and being able to kind of establish those roots has, has been, you know, I think a key, you know, to our success is most of our roster, you know, kind of comes to that mid-Atlantic and, you know, probably 90% from Virginia. What'd you learn from Paul Keyes? <laughs> a lot. Um, you know, he was, he was unique. He was a guy that did some things differently and really thought outside the box and being able to kind of take that away from him at, at the time that maybe didn't seem conventional. Uh, he didn't care. You know, his mindset was about winning baseball games and felt like whatever, you know, whatever um, he felt in his gut and his experiences was going to put those teams in, in position. And, you know, they was, always competed. They were unbelievable. They always competed. Yeah, they were unbelievable. They were solid. He had such a, a great connection across the country in terms of being able to recruit. So, yeah, it was um, it was certainly a sad day on his passing. But I look back on those times and you know, it was hard, you know, he's a, he was a hard guy to, to work for, but at the same time, I think I can look back and appreciate my opportunity with him. And then another big personality with Billy Brown, Mason. <laughs> yeah. Now two he was, completely different ends yeah, of the spectrum was, with those two guys. Uh, Skip was let you do your thing, a ton of autonomy, you know, you kind of trial by error type of feel and never, you know, held you accountable, but never, you know, never pointed, never transferred the blame if something weren't right or a guy didn't work out or whatnot. And I think that's just his experience over 40 something years of being a head coach and just understanding the game that we try and coach, the, the recruiting aspects of things. Yeah, being able to do all those things, um, I think he's seen it all. So I think that laid back approach, you know, certainly benefited our guys and, and helped me as a coach and develop as well. And both produced phenomenal assistant coaches. 
you know, it's interesting. Two really different personalities, how they handled staffs, but yeah. both put have put out tremendous They coaches. have, yeah. You can look at that coaching tree and it's vibrant and it's growing and it's still continuing to grow and grow and grow because of those men and um, like you said, the, the people they had around them during those, during those times. What's the strength of your guys' team this year? Uh, pitching and defense, I know it's pretty pretty simplistic, but we've been able to defend, we've been able to handle the baseball. Uh, I think we are one or two in the country and double plays turned and then you know ERA, uh, we're, we're in the top five in the country in that. So I think those are our strengths offensively. Uh, I wouldn't say we're a great hitting team, but we're a really good offensive team. I think we know what we're trying to do and um, certainly trying to get into the bullpen and, and trying to kind of make an impact that way. But yeah, we, we will we'll ride and die on the mound there. You know, we have some horses. We got some guys that are older that have been doing it for, for a really long time now. Does that give you some comfort coming to here? Big ballpark. Yeah. Uh, you know, again, similar to the one in Omaha, you better be able to pitch and play defense in this yeah. ballpark. Yeah, no, it's it's comparable to what we experienced this past weekend hosting the Super Regional against Shenandoah. We did it at our minor league park here or in uh, Lynchburg, the Hillcat Stadium. So very similar ballparks, a little bit of nuance here. Uh, here at Veteran Memorial, that's a little different than um, than I saw Lynchburg. you guys hitting fly balls off the wall <laughs> yeah. earlier. A um, little bit of a, a, an out to end situation, you know, in that left center gap. And um, every ballpark's unique. Everything from just the the ground rules to how the how the park plays and just kind of what's expected when you go down there for practices and things like that. But I think you know playing in a pro park last week that. The wind was jetting in the entire time and outside of Neves' ball kind of scraping to get out there in the eighth for that big hit. You know, there wasn't much flying that uh, that weekend. So being able to kind of pitch and, and defend, like you mentioned, was was key to you know being able to go put ourselves in a good position to win those games. Any turning points this season for you guys? I wouldn't say I wouldn't say there was much in terms of just the mentality of, oh, you know, we can do this. I think it's more about probably years ago being able to kind of find that moment where we're just kind of standing around and, um, you know, oftentimes I kind of get, uh, at least early on, especially when you're growing the program and you're recruiting, you kind of get lost in the nose, the guys who tell you no and kind of, man, what if, what if, what if? And I think a couple years ago, I just, at least for me personally, had that moment looking around after the fall. and just kind of one of those moments where you look around and you're like, man, these are the guys who said yes. These are the guys you got to really invest in. And I think from that moment on for me, it was just more of a growth mindset, more of a mindset of, you know what, value the people that are here, you know, be able to kind of develop within and not worry about the nose, you know, um, instead of trying to prove people wrong, prove those people right. I think that's, you know, the last couple of years what we've been able to establish with our group. Is that a tip you'd give a young coach getting into it? Like just get comfortable getting told no. Yeah, yeah. Now, actually, that was a quote I stole from Drew Brees. I remember um, after he broke the uh, all-time passing record on a Monday night football game, um, he made that comment because you're kind of sitting there waiting for him to, you know, air out all the naysayers. And he did the opposite. He just said, you know, I, I proved everybody right. You know, the people in my life that believed in me, the people that, you know, were constantly in my corner, even though he's undersized and a low draft pick and all the scouts say, you're not going to do it. You're not going to do it. Right. And he had all the world, you know, all the room to be able to say, no, uh, you know, hey, I, I told you guys I can do this, but he didn't. And that that kind of, you know, rattled me to the point where, you know what, man, this is this is something I need to value, something that's important um, that, you know, helps me you know, hopefully kind of. It's where you spend embrace. your energy too. Yeah. like there's no reason to spend your energy on negativity because right. you'll keep getting it. Yep. Like spend your energy on the positivity. Yep. 
and the positive things around you, you'll start getting more of that stuff. Yeah, and I think yeah, I positive. think that certainly helped me as a coach. I think that's also kind of festered over to our players and, and kind of that team value, that core value type of thing. I mean, do you have core values outside of that with your guys? Of course, yeah, we have some. You know, humility is one of those, a work-while mentality that I stole from Coach Robichaux, um, you know, at, at Louisiana Lafayette. You know, you're either working while you play or you're working while you wait, you know, but you're working. Um, yeah, those are, those are some important ones. Character, which is, you know, ultimately an extension of, you know, the families that, you know, we grab these guys from, and we're just trying to kind of make them better men when they leave, um, you know, leave our program. You know, so those are those are some of the, the the focus points: servility, being able to serve, and not only each other but the community and the surrounding area to be able to kind of give back to to what we are grateful for. Yeah. First World Series appearance. First World Series appearance. It's got to be gratifying, doesn't it? Sure, it absolutely is, and it's been tremendous so far. And you know, I think the the uh, the anxiety is about getting out here, right, from Virginia and. How do we do that? And you know, at our level, we're not flying <laughs> mostly for our trips. So when you're in a bus and that flow starts to happen, once we got here, it's like, all right, now it's more of a normal trip of, all right, we got to dog these meals and get on the bus and off the bus. But getting out here was, you know, that was the, the challenge and the logistics of it. So once we're here, I think that's the relief. You know, let's go, you know, let's go try and prepare to, to win some games. I mean, how do you balance that? It's first time here. Obviously, you want to savor the moment, but you also have a job to do, too. We're trying to win the national championship. How do you kind of balance that? Yeah, um, I'm not sure yet. <laughs> we'll figure that out. Uh, just uh, yesterday was a rest day. I mean, you certainly want to be able to enjoy, you know, Cedar Rapids. And I know guys have been looking up different things. And, you know, hopefully we get an opportunity maybe to, to go over to the Field of Dreams. I know a couple other teams already have. Iowa City's close. close. I'm partial to the University of Iowa's <laughs> campus. I was there nine years, so yeah. I'm partial to Iowa City. Fair enough, fair <laughs> enough. So there's some things to do. But ultimately, like you said, it's about baseball and being able to kind of do both at the same time. You say you're big on pitching, you know, do you manage their workload later in the year for those guys? You know, how are you managing kind of the workload with your arms as you go throughout the year? Uh, well, you know what, I, I will be the first to tell you that I, I know very little about pitching. I am fortunate to have Travis Beasley. I've heard your Beasley, pitching coach is very good. Tremendous. You know, Mike Solbach and, and Travis Beasley both are, are tremendous. and. They're the day-to-day, -day, you know, I just interact with the guys and kind of joke with them. But on a day-to-day -day basis, man, those are the guys that are in the, they're in the trenches with them. They, um, they got a great plan for them. They're well-prepared um, between in-game and the adjustments that need to be made, but also just the daily work that they're, they're, uh, they're the best in the country. There's no doubt about it. Will you try to stay on a training schedule while you're here as far as lifting weights or any of that stuff while yeah, you're here? Yeah, so we'll have some guys that kind of do some mobility work. We brought our strength coach with us, which is cool. Um, so he's he's been here and, and kind of involved in that process as well. But it's also just about being able to recover and to rest. And we're pretty banged up. So some guys that, you know, have been playing through some injuries or coming back from some injuries to, to play And this unseasonably week. hot here, by the yes, way. Yes, yes. So hydration has been a constant conversation this week because been pretty cool in Virginia for the most part. Yeah, we've had a good East Coast spring, by yes, the way, we for weather. It's yep. been very good. Very, very good. So besides kind of getting the lay of the land for practice today, what were you trying to get out of it? Yeah, just, just um, you know, kind of that Hoosiers mentality, get on the field and just show them, you know what, it's the same, it's the same distances, it's the same ballpark, same field. 
again, I think playing last weekend at a pro park, at, we're, we're used to having a game or two a year in that, in that ballpark. Being able to do that last week doesn't, you know, it, it kind of wears the shock off of, hey, bigger stands, bigger venue. Um, so I think, you know, just getting a feel for the, for the stadium, getting a feel for, for the, the, the grass and just kind of how it plays a little bit as much as you can in an hour's worth. Thanks for your time, Coach. Yeah, appreciate it. Appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. Personally, I'm sad to see the Division Three Championship leave Cedar Rapids. I love the opportunity to get back to the Midwest, but I'm looking forward to being in Ohio next year. Thanks again to John Litchfield, Zach Hale, Jim Richardson, Matt West, and Antonio Walker in the ABC office for all that up on the podcast. Feel free to reach out to me via email, rbrownlee at abca.org, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at coachb underscore abca, or direct message me via the MyABC app. This is Ryan Brownlee signing off for the American Baseball Coaches Association. Thanks, and leave it better for those behind you. Set me free.